following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. If you've got your Bibles this morning, that'd be cool because we're going to go through a few different scriptures. And if you've got your pens, your paper, your notepads, your iPads, your Blackberries, whatever you've got, we're going to take some notes. And this morning's message is entitled, Make Your Mark. Don't knock me over there with your enthusiasm. Make Your Mark. Here we go. I was told this morning that you're a passionate, excitable bunch that are ready for the Word of God. I can feel it already. I can sense it. Very back row to the front row. People are excited this morning to be in church. You're being passionate. So this morning when the Word of God is being preached, can I encourage you, let's not just be a little bit quiet. Let's be excited. Let's be passionate because the Word of God can transform. It can change. It can do all kinds of things. And whether you're at the very back or the very front, the Word of God is for you this morning. The Word of God is this. Make your mark. A few years ago, I was making an airline reservation on the internet. Has anyone here ever done that? You've gone on, you know, Virgin or Jetstar, whatever you've done. And it was funny because I booked this airfare. It was from the Sydney to the Gold Coast. And, you know, you go on there and you click $59 one way and $59 the next way. And then you come to this next page. And somehow you get to the grand total of $198. I'm not really good at maths. But I know that 59, 59 is not 198, and it's not till you start to work through all these special tick boxes that have already been pre-selected for you that you realize, ah, oh, very sneaky. Hmm. No, I don't want that free upgrade, and I, no, I don't want that sponsored child today, and I don't want that house with a pool, thank you very much, and I don't need that extra baggage. And I came across this one tick box that had been so kindly selected for me, and I'd never seen it before. It was this, this morning... On your airfare, would you like to have a carbon-neutral experience? <laughs> Pre-selected for me at $12. And I thought to myself, no, I don't want to have a carbon-neutral experience. I just want the cheap airfare. Thank you very much. And I'd never seen that before. I'd never seen this concept of having a carbon-neutral airfare. And over the last few years, you would, I sure, agree with me this morning, that we've started to hear a lot more about this in the media. Recently, we've talked about the carbon tax. Companies are trying to do everything they can to decrease their carbon footprint, trying to do everything possible so that future generations wouldn't even know that we were here in terms of our usage. And that's fair enough. And more and more and more in the internet, on news, we're hearing about the whole thing of reducing our carbon footprints in our households as individuals. Even airlines are trying to sneak the extra $12. I mean, what are they going to do? Throw seeds off the back of the plane as you're traveling? I'm not sure what they actually do to, to do that. And here we are in this society talking a lot about this. And I want to take a very natural thought that we have going on in our world that we live in and understand this morning that there are kingdom thinking principles at work in a different stratosphere altogether. And it's very easy if we take what is happening in our current day life, the things that surround us, we can easily translate that into what actually is not kingdom thinking. And it's interesting that the world at the moment is saying, do everything you can to remove your mark. Do everything you can to reduce your footprint so that no one would know that you actually were here. But kingdom thinking this morning is completely different. Kingdom thinking, and this is not a political statement because like I said, it's, it's cool that we're doing that, but the way of thinking is that actually as Christians, 
the person sitting next to you this morning, the person in the middle, the person in the front, we are actually called to leave a mark for future generations that people would know that we were here and that we did something that was so extraordinary that would set up future generations to come. People, your friends, your neighbors, you are not called to become spiritually neutralized. You are not called to reduce your spiritual footprint this morning. If anything, we are called to take those big steps on the steps of our forefathers, on the steps of shoulders of those who have gone before us, to enlarge, to increase our capacity. We are not called to be spiritually neutral. This morning, I want to encourage you. I want to bring a word about what you can do to leave a mark. I leave a mark that might have an impact today, but beyond that, what it could do tomorrow what it could do on Wednesday, what it could do on Saturday, what it could do in three years from now, what you might do to step out of the boat. And in five years, 10 years from now, go, goodness me, I can't believe that God would use someone like me to make a mark for his kingdom. Is anyone excited about that this morning? I'm sure you are. Matthew 5.14 says this. This is my favorite scripture in the Bible. I'm just going to put it out there this morning. I love this. You are, everyone say you are. Let's change that. Say, I am the light of the world. I'll keep reading now. Thank you. But I do appreciate your participation. A town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, don't suppress, don't try and reduce, don't try and neutralize the spirituality. No, let's do something to make a mark, to make a difference, to do something significant for those to come. This morning, I believe there's people in this room, and you're not called to just be settled and comfortable. You're called to step out of your comfort zone. There are people in here, and you've had dreams, but you know there are bigger dreams to come, and it's time to allow that option to start to happen in your life. There are people in here, there are promises that are still yet to be birthed. There are limitations that need to be destroyed this morning. There are kingdom businesses that need to be established right here in Chatswood, right here in Sydney, multinational companies that would know what it is to be kingdom-minded. There are young people in this room, and you are called to be a disciple, to be a future leader of this nation. Who knows? Maybe the next prime minister or future prime minister is sitting in this room right now because someone was willing to make a mark and make a difference. There are lost people here this morning. And because you're willing to step out, because you were willing to bring to the church one day, because you were willing to do something that their neighbor wasn't willing to do, you were willing to make a meal, to show your love and care with no strings attached. There's those things that make a mark. From the smallest, what could seem the most insignificant thing, to what would seem the largest, we are all called to make a mark for Jesus Christ. Going to have an amen this morning. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans to prosper and not to harm. They are plans to bring a future and a hope. You know, this morning, God has got a plan for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has got a plan for you. God has got a plan for you. He is at work. He knows you. He, he created, he knitted you in your mother's womb. He has got something for you this morning. Maybe for whatever reason, maybe in the last few months, maybe there's been things that have stopped you from dreaming or there's something that might have happened, a circumstance or a financial constraint and you thought maybe another time I'll start to think, I believe God is saying this morning, look to me, look to me, I've got something for you. 
Maybe dreams have died, but I believe this morning they can come back to life. Ephesians 3.20, I love this. Now to him who can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work with us. This morning, church, I want to encourage you. He can do even more than you can imagine. Stop and think about that for a second, because I've got a big imagination. I can think about lots of things. But he's saying he can do beyond that, more than we could ever imagine. You think about little kids for a second. I've got little girls. And I've read some studies saying they ask about 300 questions a day. I can tell you it's true. They've always got a question. They're always imagining things. It's amazing how they can take one little pet animal and all these different games they can play with it. If you gave me a little pet mouse, I couldn't come up with a game with you right now. Probably I could when I was five years old. What is it that stops us from not imagining anymore? God has got more. And this morning, I want to come around two different thoughts, two simple thoughts, two practical things, two practical things that you can take to Monday tomorrow or to Wednesday. And you might be able to step back in a few years from now and go, I really have made a mark from God. There is no spiritual neutralization happening here. The first one is this. Are you ready with your pens? Or if you still have a Blackberry, one of those things, you better start. They're very small, those little numbers on the Blackberry. Anyway, I won't get into technological debates. We're in Chatswood. There's a lot of great technological shops down the road. The first one is this this morning. To make a mark for God, you need to break free of your current limitations. You need to break free of your current limitations. A few years ago, I had a phone call with... The person in our church who was running pastoral care. You would think that he was the man with the most pastoral, sympathetic, empathetic, lovely nature. He was a very good man. And he said to me, Joel, why don't we go and have a game of golf? I love playing golf. And I said, that'd be a great idea. We went to a golf course on the Gold Coast. There's more golf, there's more golf courses than schools on the Gold Coast to give you an idea. It's just golf heaven. We went out and this particular golf course we were playing on, is set amongst a lot of houses, sort of rides its way through. And we got to the fourth hole. And on this particular hole, there was houses all the way down the right-hand side of the fairway. On the left-hand side, there was water. So it made the drive extremely tricky. Most golfers would take out an iron. I'm a little bit more daring. I took out my driver. I'd just been given this lovely gift from a friend of mine. It was a, just a small pack of golf balls called Tideless Pro-V ones. Anyone here a golfer at all? Yeah, so you would know what I mean. Like These golf balls aren't just golf balls. They're just like gold at the end of your golf club sitting there. They're about $10 for one ball. Yeah, and that's a lot of money when you think about, you know, you could lose a lot very quickly. These are like, you know, the granddaddy of golf balls. I got given it as a gift and I, I had to weigh this up in my mind. I said, do I take it out on this hole where there's water on one side and there's houses on the other? I said, yes, I'm going to have a go. I teed up, and as I teed up, I watched it sail off into the houses. And I was waiting for the crash of a window, or, but there was nothing. I thought, okay, I'm going to go looking for it. We walked along and said, Pastor Darrell, I need you to keep your eyes out for my, my titleless ball. He said, just hit another one. I said, no, no, I need to get that ball back. It's not just any ball. It's a titleless ball. We're walking along, and sure enough, I could see it. There was a large fence line, and just on the other side of the fence, I could see my ball sitting there. Just almost like it was glistening in the sun, just saying, come and get me. I'm all yours. 
The only problem was there was a big sign on the fence saying, beware of the big dog. I have all these thoughts racing through my head. Do I get the ball? Is it wrong to jump the fence? I mean, it wasn't just a fence up to here. It was a 2.2 two, two meter fence. It was a long way higher than I was. Like, do I do this? And I had all this capacity. I was going, don't worry about it. Just, I know, you don't understand. Like, just be quiet for a moment. Okay? That's a titleless golf ball. I can see it with my... I could literally just jump the fence, pick it up, and I'll be back in the flesh. No one would even know. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to break free of this limitation. I'm going to make sure I get that golf ball. And I jumped the fence. And as I picked the ball up, and I must say it was a very quick action, as I bent down and I picked this ball up, I heard this noise that brought the most incredible fear into my life. It was... And I heard it getting closer. And I picked that ball up and I dived back over the fence and I literally hit the top and went straight to the bottom and landed on my shoulder and cut myself up. There was a bit of blood on my knee. I literally had injured my shoulder. It was worth it, mind you. Don't worry about that. And Pastor Daryl, the one who's supposed to be the most loving, the most caring, the most I'll pray for you anytime, was laughing. He's laughing his head off. He continues laughing. I'm on the ground. I have got blood at this point coming out of my knee. I'm like, Daryl, it's not funny. It's not funny. Like, I'm not finding this funny. I actually, I didn't cry. It was, man, you know, man tears. They weren't there. Maybe a little one. Maybe it was just, you know, the, the, the wind had got in my eyes. And I was like, this is pretty painful. He continues to laugh. He's la- he actually gets to the point where he's crying because he's laughing. And I'm going to tell everyone. I'm going to tell Pastor Andrew. I'm going to tell the youth pastor. This is too funny. I'm going to put on Twitter. I'm like, mate, just calm down for a second. Anyway, I turn around. And I realize that the dog is in the next yard next door. And there was no dog in that yard. My fear got the best of me. But I'll tell you what, this morning, church, I broke through my limitation. That ball went back home to its owner. The next shot, I hit it straight in the water. But I learned something in that. I reckon this morning, our lives can be a little bit like that golf ball. Our lives can feel like, what am I willing to do? to see that breakthrough in my life? What am I willing to do to step out of my comfort zone? What am I willing to do to overcome that thing that I've just settled in? And there lies the difference between somebody who's going to make a mark and someone who's just going to be happy to be neutralized. If you've got the Word of God this morning, would you take it out? I'm going to read a story. And I reckon this illustrates so well for our lives today. John chapter 9, verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV version this morning. If you have got the Word of God, why don't you pull that out? Hey, I love the Word of God. I love this thought that the Bible was written over a 1,600-year period in three different languages with 44 authors without any contradiction or any collaboration. It is the oldest book whose author is still alive today. That is worth getting excited about. He is the oldest author who is still alive today. This morning, he is here. And we come to this story this morning, the Word of God. I believe this morning that the Word of God can transform lives in one second. I believe this morning the Word of God can do something in you that nothing else can do. The Word of God is living and it's real. Are you ready to go with me this morning? Here we go. John 9 verse 1 says this, And as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. He is referring to Jesus. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse 6. Having said this, he spit on the ground. Interesting English there, but I, I would have thought it was... Anyway, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with the saliva and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. Last verse, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging, isn't this the same man who used to sit here and beg? You may have heard a message preached before about Jesus' crazy way of healing this man. I mean, it's not kind of commonplace that someone would spit. I mean, if Andrew Caballo was here next week, he started spitting on people and getting mud. I mean, we'd probably all be a little bit shocked. And you probably heard those kind of messages. But I'm going to take it from another angle this morning. Who knows that this man that was born blind had limitations around his life? From the very time he came out of his mother's womb, he was born with a limitation. Most people are able to see from birth. Most people are not confronted with that limitation from the second they're born. But this very young little baby, from the time he came out of his mother's womb, the Word of God tells us, had a limitation around his life. He was blind. I think it's fair to say it's a limitation. It's a natural limitation. And straight away, Jesus recognizes this limitation. He says, you've been born by from birth, so you, you were blind from birth. He can recognize it. He walks past and sees, okay, this guy has got a limitation. Just like that blind man, all of us here have got some form of a limitation. It could be a natural limitation. It could be a mindset limitation. It could be something that's going on in our life that continually just keeps stopping us and pulling us back and you'll never be able to achieve that. You'll never be able to make a mark over here because of that error in your life. Well, for Jesus, this was a recognizable limitation. The stuff that goes on in every one of our lives, the stuff that people are dealing with when you break it down and we get real, the stuff that goes on. Turn to your neighbor this morning on the left and say, I've got stuff. And then turn to your and say, I've got more stuff than you do. See, no one is perfect. No one is perfect. Thank God for God's grace. Thank God for his blood. Thank God for the fact that he knows that, but he knows our heart. See, this morning, there are limitations in this room that would stop your marriage going to another level. There are limitations this morning that have stopped you from dreaming. There are limitations that have held you back from doing things that have never been done before. There are limitations that have held you back in your thinking and as a result has brought you to small thinking and not large thinking. There are people here this morning and you're allowing your financial limitations to stop you from doing that very thing that God has called you to do. See, if we get real and we break it down for a second and realize and recognize what that limitation is, it is amazing when we re realize it and we, and we recognize it, what God can then do. See, this morning we come to this point where we see Jesus walking along and seeing a blind man. If you get this for a second, Jesus can see a blind man, but the blind man cannot see Jesus. I'll say that once more. Jesus can see this blind man, 
but the blind man cannot see Jesus. How true can that be of our situations and our circumstances? We might know that he's near us. We might feel that he's around. But at times in our things that are going on and our stuff that we've been talking about, we can feel like we can't see Jesus in the midst of it. But the thing is this morning, church, you need to hear this from the very back to the very front. Jesus can see you this morning. Jesus can see your circumstance. Jesus can see what's going on. Jesus can see that limitation. And it's amazing what can happen when Jesus comes along. And he says this morning, no matter what you might be facing, he is there. He can see you. In just one second, it can be destroyed and broken down. That's good news. That's good news. Jesus can see you. I don't know about you, but if we're going to keep it real this morning, there's times where I've stepped back and go, God, where are you? I can't hear your voice. I can't see you at work. It's like I've got blindfolds on. I can't see what's going on. And Jesus is here. I've got your back. I can see you. I can see you. For some of you, it's a word from God this morning. He's got your back. He can see you. He can see you. He can see you. He can see you. And that is worth giving God some praise about, I think, this morning. Come on. The Word of God says this. He who the Son has set free, he is free. He is free indeed. You're free this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're free this morning. Turn to the person next to you. You're free this morning. See, something happens when Jesus comes along, and we might not be able to see him, but he comes along, and he sees our circumstance. He sees our situation, and he brings freedom into the midst of it and says, hang on. You can do it. I have a plan. I have a purpose for you. For you. Why does Jesus want us to break our limitations? Thanks for asking. I'll tell you why. I appreciate that. I really do. Verse 3 gives us the answer. And I love this because it constantly reminds us of who we are. Verse 3 of that same passage is this. But it happened so that the work of God can be displayed in your life. Who knows this this morning? That your neighbors, that your cousins, that your friends, that your workmates, your, your people that you're hanging out with at school, at university, who knows that they need to see the work of God in your life? Who knows that because you stepped out of a limitation, because you didn't settle for second best, because you were determined to make a mark for God, who knows that very quickly they start going, what has happened to this person? What is going on? And very quickly we start pointing to the Father saying, hey, it's not me, it's God. Hey, in this situation, what is here? I was blind, but now I see. It points to the Father. I am convicted that our actions point to the Father. Our friends, our family, those that don't know God. If we're willing to step out of our limitations, if we are willing to go beyond what we would consider as comfortable, anything can happen. Anything can happen. The final thought around limitations is this. 
it's interesting that this blind man reverted to what a blind person would do at those times. He became a beggar. He adapted to his limitation. How true can that be of our lives? There's things that go on, and we either choose to deal with it, go to God on it, work through it, or we end up sitting back and just going, I'm going to adapt myself to this circumstance. I'm not going to allow future growth to to happen because I'm just going to start to adapt to what's going on. It's very easy to adapt when you know there's a limitation. See, a choice happens. It's funny how like in churches, not this church of course, but in any church, people can come to church on a Sunday and they walk back out after church and they kind of don't have any community with anyone else during the week. And they wonder, why am I not growing? Or why have I adapted to how I'm feeling at the moment? Where we can be involved in small groups or connect groups or whatever they're called here or or we can be involved in, in, in serving in the house of God or being part of a ministry or, or doing something that's going to continually push us to take us out of our comfort zone, to stop adapting to what maybe we once knew. See, we can walk in here on a Sunday and walk back out and we can have a great service and, and it is fantastic that you're in the house of God. But there's more. There's always more. There's always more to what God wants to do in our life, to bring growth, to understand that those limitations that can be so easily adapted to. There is always more that we can say, God, I'm ready to be used in this area. God, you know what? I might not be able to, you know, I might have only been saved four weeks ago, but you know what? I can, I can help in the cafe or I can go down and help, help that person that, that might need help because they haven't got any accommodation at the moment. But I can do something. I can continually take steps. See, the spiritual life is a journey. We are on a journey. And this morning I ask you this question. Have you settled or are you pushing through? That's only a question you can answer. That's something you go to God on. The second point this morning, have we got long to go this morning, is this. The first one is to make a mark, you need to break through your current limitations. The second one this morning, are you ready for this? Is you need to get God's perspective. You need to get God's perspective. About 10 years ago, Ellen and I, I finished university. I'm one of those guys who went to university and now is not using his university degree. Got old Sydney University. Was there for five years. Good times. It looks good on it looks good on the, the frame. It really does. You know. Anyway. And I did an education degree. I was a school teacher, high school teacher. We went to New Zealand. I finished university and I said to Ellen, I said, look, you know, let's go and have an overseas experience. We we went over to New Zealand into Wellington. We were there for eighteen months. And it was funny, it was going to be my first appointment as a high school teacher. I was excited, I was, I was nervous at the same time, and, you know, they had different accents to me. They love rugby way too much, and by the way, we're going to kill them tonight in the rugby as they go, and he, that's the biggest reaction I've had in morning. God bless you, God bless you, all of you supporters. You know, just a quick thought, they wear black, it's evil. Like, gold is like the throne room, and, and green is new things and new beginnings, and like, surely God's in it tonight. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's continue on. And I was excited. I put my applications out to a whole bunch of schools. I just literally had got my qualification, and I thought, you know, would anyone here, let a young Australian guy, educate the future of New Zealand? Would, would anyone be willing to take a risk on someone like me? 
And I put them out in lots of schools and I got a phone call. I couldn't believe it. Someone would believe in me. The only problem was it was an hour's drive from where I was living. But I thought, you know what? They believe in me. I'm going to go to the interview. Went to the interview. And uh, I got a phone call later that day. They said, Joel, we'd love to have you. And uh, it was a headmistress of the school. She said, Joel, we'd love to have you come and teach in our school. I was so blessed. I was like, you love me. I'm Australian even though you... And I was like, okay, I'm there. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Literally five minutes later, I kid you not, I get another phone call. And the guy says, hi, it's uh, so-and-so here and calling from Paraparaumu College is where the school was just for get the uh, New Zealand accent going for you guys. I'm an Aussie, but Paraparaumu. And um, he said to me, Joel, I've got good news. And by the way, we're living five minutes from Paraparaumu. He says, Joel... It's amazing what's happened, but a job's come up. We'd love to have you come and teach in our school. I'm like, you beauty. Like, that's five minutes from my house. Couldn't be any better. The way the school system works in New Zealand doesn't matter if you're teaching five minutes away or two hours away. The pay's the same. I'm like, oh, God, you answered my prayer. Like, it's amazing. And I called the school of the previous school that offered me the job, and I said, look, uh, thanks very much for offering me the job, but it's amazing what just happened. I got a phone call five minutes later. And I'd, I'd love to, uh, to say thank you, but I'm not going to be able to be a part of that job. And uh, the phone went silent. And I thought, did she not understand my accent? Did, was the rugby on in the back corner and she was watching that? I don't know. And she said, Doll, you said you were going to come. And we've told the other candidates that there's no job available. No, we want you. Okay. I was facing a predicament. I then went over to my friend's house, and his dad was a very wise man. And I told him, I outlined the whole thing. I said, look, look, Wayne, there's a school five minutes away, and they're paying the same money. And, you know, I just cannot see how that would be a bad decision. And he looked at me in the eyes, and he said, Joel, let me ask you this question. What is your word worth? That was like a knife going through my heart. That was like a javelin going through my side. That was like watching the All Blacks win tonight. I mean, it was like painful. Like, it was painful. But I knew straight away I had got God's perspective on the circumstance. I then called back the school with trembling in my voice, with a shaking of the phone. Good morning, Miss So-and-so. I cannot wait to be there on Monday morning. I'll see you there. Who knows that was a tough decision? Who knows that in life when you make tough decisions... We can't see the actual outcome in that moment. I want to tell you for the next year of my life, I had to drive an hour every day to that school. I had to go over mountain ranges that had snow on it in winter. Like, it was very un-Australian. I, I, I had to drive, I had to get up every morning and get like hot water and put it on the windows to ice the car down. Like, it was like, it was like God every morning slapping me in my face and then slapping me back the other way. And I was like, what are you doing? God? Like, I could have just gone five minutes. Okay, I've given them my word. I don't know what it is, but you're going to do something. I know you're going to do something. And it's funny, I didn't realize it to after the fact because I had this one hour every day or each way, two hours. I started to do something I'd never done in my life. I've been in church from the time I was born, literally two weeks old, not far from here. I started listening to CDs on leadership and preachers. I'd never preached before. I started listening to John Maxwell to start it off and then Bill Hybels and then all of a sudden I realized something was starting to happen inside of me. I was one of those guys that was always busy, always leading worship, always doing stuff that, that was kind of, but I never had invested in this area of my life. 
And after the year came up, I realized what God had done. While I was wanting to go five minutes and teach just down the road, God had built me into a leader. God had taken me to a special university that I didn't even know was available, a one hour each way in a car. God had done something on the inside of me. And if I hadn't understood God's perspective of what's your word worth because somebody had helped me in that, I don't know if that would have happened. And for that year, I step back now and go, those principles that the last, you know, even the last five years of where I am on the Gold Coast, investing in the young people, speaking life into people, encouraging people. It is amazing what takes place when you do what God has asked you to do. It is amazing when people say, what is your word worth? And you stick to it. It is amazing in the sacrifices, in those circumstances that feel very difficult and feel very like, where are you, God? What can happen down the track? It's not in that moment. It's in the after. This morning, what is God's perspective for you, maybe there's limitations this morning that are so difficult. You couldn't even imagine trying to even deal with it. It's just easier to adapt. But this morning, what's God's perspective? What's God's perspective for you? I reckon it's this. I go back to Matthew 5 verse 14. We are called to be the light of the world. We are called to make a mark. We are called to step out of the boat. We are called to do something that maybe we've never done before. You might be sitting there this morning, and I reckon what happens is the Holy Spirit starts dropping thoughts into your head. He starts to remind you of those dreams you once had. He starts to remind you of those things that you're going, well, right now, God, where am I? That's right. You spoke to me about five years ago. God, I remember at that youth camp all those years ago when you dropped that seed in my heart. God, I remember when you spoke to me about going to Bible college, but I chose to not even listen to you. Whatever it might be this morning, whatever circumstance you might face, someone needs to get excited in a moment because I'll tell you this, God is saying this to you this morning, that you are called to make a difference. You are called to make a mark. You are called to do something that maybe nobody else can do because you have a unique calling that God has given to you. See, God has a plan. He has a purpose. And if you believe that this morning, someone give him an amen because I believe that God can change things in just one second. You might be sitting right in that back corner underneath that veranda area. God can use you. You might be sitting down the front. You might not have ever been to church before in your life. God can use you. God has a plan for you. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 